Welcome back to another edition of Big City Catholics, our diocesan podcast with Bishop Robert Brennan, the Bishop of Brooklyn and Queens, and myself, Father Christopher Henu, the rector here of St. Joseph's Co-Cathedral. Behind us, uh, you may hear some of the music. We are recording this uh, podcast in the midst of uh, the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Monday, December 12th. We'll talk a little bit about that, but we'll begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. On this blessed day, we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name, in the name of the, of the Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. You mentioned we're in the middle of it because this year we're doing something new. This year we have two Masses. We had so many people last year, and that was after a little bit of a break because of the COVID realities, that the people themselves, the Mexican Apostle, came in and said, we, we need to break this up somehow, either find a bigger place yeah. or break this up. And they decided to have a mass early in the morning. People were here at the Co-Cathedral before 7 o'clock, Before 7, yep. Wow. The mass started at 9.30. And they, they were, were here, here for mass at 9.30. They were here at 7 o'clock. And they were waiting out in the cold because we had other masses. We do. We, we have our, our morning schedule. mass schedule. And so they waited in their groups, but oh, how patient and uh, how excited they were. And now it's all going to happen again. They, <laughs> you mentioned the music. What's happening now is people are lining up in their parishes and forming a procession. Uh, the first group was from Queens, so basically they're going to walk their way through the borough of Brooklyn into the borough of Queens and break off in two different directions, each of them going to their own parish. They, at the end of Mass, we lit torches. They were carrying torches, and I had a lighter, and we lit each torch, and they'll carry that torch through the streets of Brooklyn and Queens. Uh, what a powerful image. What an Yeah, what a symbol of, of the light of Christ being brought from the the seat of the diocese, the co-cathedral, the co-seat of the diocese, down through this beautiful borough into the different varying parts of Queens. Some, Astoria, Long Island City, they have their route that heads in that direction, some to Ozone Park and Rego Park, that in a di different direction, uh, some to Flushing, that's probably, probably Flushing the farthest, the longest. And Corona. Coro Corona as well, yeah. Very long uh, commutes. and Heights. Incredible, incredible acts of faith, really. Yeah. And it, it was it uh, a full church, right? It was a full church, and if you don't mind my saying so, it was a young church. Mm. You know, even even for Sunday Masses, people will say, oh, where were all the young people? And my answer is generally, go to the Spanish Mass. Yes, yeah. Go to the Spanish Mass. And so these, these are young people who are teaching us the beautiful gift of faith, yeah. beautiful gift of faith. And, you know, they treasure it, and they're renewing our faith and renewing our parishes, and it's a blessing. It's a blessing for the church just, just to see that great love. You preached a little bit about, we, we talked about it in our last podcast, but uh, you were preaching about St. Juan Diego and his call by our Blessed Mother, right. and how he responded to that call, even though he said, oh, maybe not me. And how often do we say that? Oh, Lord, I'd love to help, but I'm busy. Yeah. Uh, what I'm doing is very important. Yeah. But, you know, Mary interrupted Juan Diego. The, in the first apparition, he was on his way to catechesis. Hey, what a good thing. You'd say, Mary, he's doing a good thing. Why don't we let him do it? <laughs> Mary interrupted a good thing. But even more importantly, his, his uncle was sick. And his uncle asked him to go get the priest for confession and viaticum for that last communion. And he was going to search out the priest. And he bypassed the hill where he first met Mary. <laughs> he said, I know what I'm going to do. He, he thought he was going to outsmart her. And Mary knows us well. Mary interrupted that. Now, that was a mission of love. 
and a mission of faith because he believed that the church could provide what his uncle needed Mm -hmm. in this perilous moment. But Mary interrupts that and she says, don't you worry, I'll take care of things. Trust me, I'm giving you this mission. And I said in the homily, um, she asked him to build a church. That's all, a lot of these uh, apparitions have to do with building a church. That's but a right. church is sort of the beginning of a people. And I said in Mass today, she sent him out to build a church, but like St. Francis, not with hammers and nails. Not with stones not and with wood. Not with stones and wood, but with the power of the gospel. Yeah. And that's what he did. You know, Mary through, sent Juan Diego um, with that image on her tilma, first to evangelize the bishop. The bishop needed to be evangelized himself. He was growing desperate. He was so discouraged because the evangelization efforts were not working. Mm-hmm. They were not working. They were ready to throw in the towel and say, this is a place that can't be converted. I doubt that uh, the bishop of that time had different offices, the school of evangelization and the diaconate program, or the offices that we have today in our chancery. No. In our no. chancery. Juan Diego evangelized him. Yeah. Just by being faithful, and then, of course, with that great sign. And then, to me, that was like, from what I understand, it was the largest evangelization moment in the history of the world. So it happened in 1531, right? It was the apparition. And and since then, look at what's happened to the people. Well, exactly. But so many people, in in a land where the missionaries are having a really hard time, because... Well, because of trust, you know. Their old religion, the religion of the country, was a pagan religion that involved human sacrifices that didn't really seem to produce anything, you know. And then some these newcomers come along. The settlers are there, and, you know, the settlers weren't necessarily always kind and just, <laughs> the people. But the missionaries pushed back for the rights of the people and for proper treatment. But the people, you know, it was a slow to accept, understandably so. But Mary stepped in. God sent Mary, and Mary stepped into the human scene, into the history of Mexico, and it caught on. It just caught on. People, they say millions of people, were baptized because of that event. Yeah. And how many still, to this day, make pilgrimages to the to site? Guadal- we make, we, yeah, pilgrimages to the site. Um, and, um, and how many then from Mexico now are here That's right. continuing that evangelization? You know, I remember when I first learned Spanish, the only thing I really knew was Guadalupe. And I knew uh, Alta Gracia because the community where I was was a Dominican community. They celebrated a lady of Alta Gracia. But I just thought to myself, well, let's do, shouldn't we be celebrating uh, Guadalupe? And this isn't all that long ago. And all I said, well, there's an interest, but not a big interest. Maybe one or two parishes. We didn't have many from Mexico there. I would say that in the last. 10 years or so, it has just exploded. Yeah. And, um, and and look at what we have today, you know? And, and, and again, yeah, they continue to evangelize. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the shrine at Guadalupe. Have you had the chance to visit? No. I look on uh, with confessed with, with envy when I see my brother priests and leading pilgrimages I'm going to have to visit because I hear such incredible stories, life-changing stories, you know, of people who just witness the faith of so many. I know that in, in some of these shrines around the world, especially there as well, and, and then you think of the Camino, where they sort of end their pilgrimage on their knees as they enter That's into right. the church. And just to see that, to see the beautiful acts of faith, I, I've seen videos, but I've never experienced it live. It's very, person. very touching. I 
was there for the World Meeting of Families. So that was probably around 2000. I'm trying to remember. That goes way back. And I was there for the World Meeting of Families in Mexico. Why don't I just... Okay, you, you see the, the magic of, of the iPhone. We can look things up while we're talking on a podcast. <laughs> true confessions, people. True confessions. 1994? Was it that? No, it was since then. World there might have been another. Okay. 2002? It was, I, I'm thinking it may have been 12, 11 or 12. Okay. But anyway, it was Pope Benedict, I think. And Pope wasn't there. The Pope spoke to us by way of video. But people from all around the world were there. It was just a great, great experience of, of faith. I remember all the cultural things that surrounded the day, the music. But I also remember like the little sights on the grounds, you know. There was one, they called it a chapel of vows, I guess, juramentos, like almost like a swearing kind of thing, where people were going. To make their promises? Well, really, to, yeah, promises, but sort of trying to deal with addictions. That's right, yeah. Trying to deal with infidelities, yeah. whether it be marital infidelities or other kinds of infidelities, and, and just seeking a new life. Yeah. Seeking, so they would go and say, "I'll just use drinking. I, I'll never drink again. I'll get the help I can get." Mary, please help me to find Jesus. Help me to lean on Jesus. Yeah, it, it was just so striking to see that kind of devotion and and concern. When I was a seminarian, I was assigned to St. Michael's in Sunset Park. That's a parish, maybe ninety percent Hispanic. Father Kevin Sweeney, now Bishop Sweeney, was the pastor there and would often call me down when parishioners would come to make their juramento. Uh, and it was probably more times than not was regarding alcohol. But yes, as you say, uh, drinking, but it, uh, um, uh, infidelity at times. It is that beautiful sense of conversion. And you and I were talking before earlier today about Mary's apparition, you know, to Juan Diego in Mexico and how it's just been since then this great sense of evangelization. Her Think about the lives changed, the conversions, the baptisms, the reliance on God that so many people have made when they were down there to change their lives for, for the better. Exactly. And that's the power of the gospel. Recent weeks we've had John the Baptist, people going to John the Baptist, they were looking for something new, something different. And John was promising them that something different and saying, it's not far, it's right in front of you. It's Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. We have, we're built, we're created with that sense of longing. And we always try to fill it with other things. When we allow the power of the gospel to fill that, when we allow Jesus in, that can change everything. You mentioned the World Meeting of Families. It was, uh, I, my Google game is very slow, but it was 2009, okay. January of 2009, uh, Mexico City. And But that theme of the families is sort of, as we approach the fourth Sunday of Advent now, we talk about the genealogy of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, how the birth of Jesus came about. What an important aspect of this time of Advent, right? To speak of the Mary and Joseph and, and the Holy Family. That's right. That, that is. So it, it's kind of neat when you get to the fourth Sunday of Advent. You know, ba- basically Advent has a pattern to it. So the beginning of Advent is Jesus is coming again in glory. It's be vigilant, be aware, be ready. Come, Lord Jesus. But then we think about the John the Baptist, the, the prepare the way of the Lord, and then we come to our eyes turn toward Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Our eyes turn toward the crib, the manger, and we witness that beautiful couple, Mary and Joseph, each of them dealing with their own struggles. I mean, you know, it's a, it was a tough 
cruel world under the occupation of the Roman Empire. It was a tough, cruel world, and each of them dealing with the struggles and then hearing the voice of God. We talk about Mary interrupting Juan Diego and Juan Diego wanting, thinking, oh, no, not me, and us thinking, oh, no, not now. Mary and Joseph, each in their own way, said yes to God without hesitation. That's the beauty of it all. Mary said, yes, let it be done to me according to thy word. And Joseph, when he was hearing what was going on, he was trying to find a a respectable way to follow the law and take care of Mary. You know the story. He hears that Mary is pregnant. He hears something about the angel, I'm sure. And he's saying, you know, in a sense, he's not sure what's going on here, but he's going to let himself look like the bad guy. Mm. He decided to divorce her quietly. I always thought that. Why is that such a, a, a virtue? But the reason it's a virtue is he said, let me take the fall. And yet the angel came to Joseph and all the angel had to speak to Joseph and that was enough. Yeah. So each in their own way just said yes immediately to God. There's a, a beautiful consecration of St. Joseph by Father Calloway, which I prayed, you know, there's no coincidences with the Holy Spirit. I had prayed it about two months or so before I received the, the word that I was coming here to, to St. Saint Saint Joseph. Joseph. In it, you know, Father Calloway speaks it to that point about the deciding to divorce her quietly. And he says, perhaps it was Joseph's sense of feeling unworthy to be the foster father of the Messiah, of the Lord. And then in a way, I think you could kind of relate that unworthiness in some sort of thinking to himself, I'm not worthy to be in the, involved in this picture. You know, I'm not worthy to be in this, to be a part of this salvific plan. You think of Juan Diego and the same thing. It's, oh, Lord, it can't be me. You know, Mary, you're looking at the wrong person. But as soon as he got the direct intervention, as soon as it was the angel that spoke to him, and it wasn't just what was working on in his own mind. That's right. As soon as the Lord sent the messenger to him, he woke up and proceeded to take Mary as his wife. That's right. I mean, that's powerful. He just went ahead and did it. God asked him, so he said, okay. And, you know, both of them were saying yes to an unknown future, mm-hmm. you know. And, and right from the start, there were more twists and turns, you know. This year we have a shortened Christmas season, so we don't get to hear all of the extra readings. We, the Holy Family, Feast of the Holy Family is on a weekday this year. Mm. You know, you think about it. Poor Joseph, he has a dream where he's told, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. After Jesus, is, first he goes through the horror of trying to get settled into Bethlehem at the very time that Mary was due and not finding a place. You have the flight to Egypt. So you have the angel appearing to him in a dream saying, Joseph, take your son and get out of town. Get to go to Egypt. Another dream, Joseph. <laughs> okay, it's safe to go back. Yet another dream. Well, not as safe as it was originally. So now you got to go even another direction. Yep. I always joke. I say, poor Joseph must have been afraid to go to sleep at night. <laughs> And and, and that was just the beginning. (laughs) And and then there were the hidden years. And you can see what those years must have been like by how Jesus emerges from that. Mm -hmm. You know, he realized who he was and what he was asked to do. And he was confident in that mission and ready to give himself to what needed to be done. I always think, you know, my motto, thy will be done. And the Lord's prayer that Jesus gave us those words, thy will be done. And of course, you know, that there's that divine sense. He's truly human, truly divine. But I wonder whether his thy will be done 
wasn't an echo of what he heard from mom. Yeah. Let it be done to me. Let sure. it will be done. You know, I wonder if that's something he wouldn't have heard around the house growing up. God, Saying, she, yeah. you know, what a beautiful, yep. prayerful thought. Yes. So, yes, our, mind, our hearts will be turning, our eyes and our hearts will be turning to Bethlehem this coming Sunday. And actually, we begin a sacred time in Advent. We call it the late days of Advent. So beginning on the 17th of December, the gospel goes to the events leading up to the birth of Jesus. The account from Matthew for the first two days, and then from Luke, the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist and of Jesus, the Mm -hmm. visitation, the uh, birth of John the Baptist, the birth of Jesus. It leads us all the way up to Christmas. So this last week of Advent is is a very blessed week indeed, Mm. these last days. And, you know, the church invites us I think of the old math graphs, you know, the bell curve. Yes. You know, it's sort of Advent begins, it reaches up, it kind of comes to a crescendo. It still is kind of solemn for a few days, an octave, and then it, there's still a little more of the Christmas season. Don't let go of it just yet until <laughs> the Epiphany and Baptism of the Lord, which this year is the day after the Epiphany. Yes. But I think the Church is going to ask us now, in these late days of Advent and these first days of Christmas, to say, okay, these are different. These days are different. The liturgy takes a different turn. Our prayers take a different turn. It's a way of the church saying, stop. I know you're busy. I know this is a busy time too, but stop and listen. In the gospel narratives, the infancy narratives, both in Matthew and in Luke, how many times do you see the word behold? Mm. A lot. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I should yeah. count it someday. <laughs> but you see it a lot. Mm-hmm. Behold. That's the ask of the church of you. This, these, and now that we get, behold, stop and look. Stop and look. Look at the words. Look at the powerful story in the gospel. Look at the figures. Again, we, we talked earlier in the season about putting out the nativities and the sure. different scenery. Look, behold, behold, take it all in. See that gift of Emmanuel. We hear it in the gospel on Sunday. Emmanuel, God with is with us. You know, I love St. Paul says... If God is with us, who can be against us? Trial or distress or persecution or nakedness or danger or the sword? Nope. In all of these, God is with us. And we are overcome because of him who loves us. You know, nothing can take us from the love of Christ. So, so behold, stop, look, listen. You know, the, the diocese here in Brooklyn and Queens, the Archdiocese of New York, help all of us to take that moment to stop. You know, as you're saying, yeah, we're busy, but take this moment to stop and to reflect, to take inventory on your lives this Monday, Monday, December 19th, something that's relatively new, but now it's been a few years happening. We celebrate Reconciliation Monday. We do it the Monday after the fourth Sunday of Advent, the Monday before Christmas. We do it also the Monday of Holy Week during Lent time. What an awesome opportunity it is to say, okay, it's the 19th, You've got less than a week to go before Christmas. We're busy. There's last-minute shopping. There's the busyness of this season. But stop and take inventory and experience that beautiful gift of God's forgiveness in this beautiful sacrament of reconciliation. So every church, is this right, Bishop? Every church in the Archdiocese of New York, which includes the borough of Manhattan, Staten Island, the Bronx. And way up And north. way up, if anyone makes it to Orange County or Sullivan County, as well as the Diocese of Brooklyn, which is the boroughs of Brooklyn and Queens, priests will be in their parishes, the churches will be open for spe- specific periods of time 
for the faithful to come and to experience that gift of God's forgiveness. Exactly. Priests look forward to this. They always do. Priests always seem to look forward to it. Um, We find it to be a very powerful experience to see the faith that people have. It's so humbling and so edifying that people come with their faith and with their openness to allow God's grace to enter into their lives. And they invite us in as part of that experience. And then to be able to share that message of mercy, to offer the absolution of the church, the forgiveness of God, that, that divine forgiveness, it's a great pleasure for all of us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, to Christmas itself. We're trying something new from what I understand. This year in the Jubilee year of the cathedral at St. James, um, they'll be having Midnight Mass. I don't think they've done that in a while. So I'll be at the cathedral this year for Midnight Mass. I was here at St. Joseph's this past, last, last year. year yeah. So we're trying to switch things back and forth. So I'll be at the cathedral at St. James for Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And then on uh, here at the Co-Cathedral for the 11 o'clock Mass on, on Christmas, Christmas morning. Day. Christmas yeah, Christmas Day. morning. It should be a beautiful experience at, at the Cathedral of St. James. I know that Father Patterson's very excited to welcome you, of course. They have a community there, Bishop, correct me if I'm wrong, ASL, a, a deaf community that That's will correct. be present at that Mass. That's right. Yes, so they come off and uh, you know, they have somebody to sign during bigger celebrations. So, yeah, they, they, they themselves, that community is really looking forward to being able to gather for Midnight Mass. Great, and everyone's welcome to, to join you at the Cathedral of St. James. Yes, indeed. We Great. want to extend a warm welcome um, to anyone who, who would like to join us. It'll be carried on that TV, but um, we really want to invite anybody who would like to be at that Mass to be there for, for Midnight Mass or to be here on Christmas Day. But, yeah. But such great, great opportunities. We'll talk about it next week, but I also, I think I'm going to be in a firehouse. Oh, wow. Yes, and in one of our parishes. So we have some good things coming up in the, in the next few days. Great, great. Very good, Bishop. As we mentioned at the, out, at the beginning of the podcast, we're in the midst of the two masses, and uh, we've got to... You notice mindful. how it got quiet outside. Yeah, but, and that's not, that won't be for long. We won't have the, quite the music, but the next crowd is probably already gathering. I imagine so. And we're going to have to get you ready for the next Mass soon now, Bishop. So um, I think it's an appropriate time to end with a prayer. And, and again, we thank everybody for participating, for listening, and, and joining us on this podcast Big City Catholics. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Loving Mother of the Redeemer, gate of heaven, star of the sea, assist your people who have fallen yet strive to rise again. To the wonderment of nature, you bore your creator, yet remained a virgin after as before. You who received Gabriel's joyful greetings, have mercy on us poor sinners. May the blessing of Almighty God the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Descend upon you this day and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Que viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. Que viva. Que viva. God bless you.